Well, good morning. Glad to see all of you here this morning as we close out this series called Stay Positive. I'm going to miss those guys, man. That tune gets stuck in my brain every Sunday. Really, the premise behind this entire series started because we are bombarded with negativity in our lives. There's no doubt about it. Just this week as I was preparing, these are the first three news stories that popped up in my feed. A 15-year-old boy was arrested for decapitating his 16-year-old classmate. Cut off his head. Five-year-old girl dies while babysitter smokes meth. Boyfriend found the girl dead. Pregnant woman is shot to death on stage because she refuses to dance with a group of drunk men. This is Fox News, Washington Post, New York Post. This is not the Inquirer. This is real life, real news, real stories happening in our world today. Now, I've had conversations with people who say, well, that's outrageous, right? How can you even believe in a God when stuff like that is happening in our world? To which I always respond, you're right. That is absolutely outrageous. Now listen to me. Where did that sense of outrage come from? Because hear me, if all we are is just the evolution of an ape, this thing happens all the time in nature. Right? Monkeys kill monkeys. Lions kill lions. Nobody sits around and talks about how horrible that is. Nobody's trying to sentence apes to life in prison. But on some level, you know that that is outrageous and it's completely wrong. And your sense of indignation is absolutely right. You should feel that way because you're made in God's image. And these things that happen, you should be mad about because it's wrong. But admittedly, all those things happened far from here, had no real impact on your life, but that doesn't mean there's not a ton of negativity happening in your life. Maybe not on the level of some of those things, but I know this, I know that each and every one of you are going to struggle with one of these things because you're going to have negative self-talk. You're going to feel uncertain about your abilities. If you're a parent, maybe the kids are going wild, feel uncertain about your ability as a parent. Am I doing this right? As a student, finals are coming up. You might feel like, uh, man, you just need some Holy Spirit help, you know, right? I mean, you're welcome here. Please make these answers clear. You know what I'm saying? Somebody, right? I mean, you feel uncertain about what's going to happen. You might feel unsure about your future, maybe your job. You don't know if you're even going to have a job. Whatever's happened, stock market, who knows if that's even going to be there. You don't know what the future holds. You maybe feel inadequate for a task. Maybe the boss has tasked you with something. You feel like, no, there's no way I can do that. We're in church, maybe, maybe you feel somewhat on some level that you're supposed to be doing something spiritually, leading in some capacity, and you feel like, wow, there's no way. I'm, I'm completely inadequate to do anything in God's kingdom. Listen to me, it's not true. We'll get there. But maybe you feel insecure around others. That voice in your head saying you don't look good enough, they're way skinnier than you are, you're not pretty, whatever it is. 
You're going to feel insecure on some level. So my goal really for this entire series was to help eliminate some of that negative self-talk, some of these negative things that are happening in your life. I wanted to give you some tools that you could use in order to overcome negativity in your life. So week one, we talked about optimism. Now, how you don't need to feel optimistic. You need to be optimistic because of what God says. So those are tremendous grounds for you to have optimism in your life. Second week, we talked about gratitude, the gratitude attitude. We examined how we have so much to be thankful for, especially in this season. Tim did a great job talking about encouragement, how God is an encouraging God, and he wants to help you in your life. Last week, we talked about enthusiasm. There are two types of people in this world, those who allow their environment to influence their enthusiasm But then there are those who allow their enthusiasm to influence their environment. We want to be the latter. We want to be people that allow our enthusiasm to overflow into our environments. And we're not going to let our environments influence our enthusiasm because God is an awesome God. He's given us tremendous reason to be enthusiastic. If you missed any of those, you can check them out online. But today I want to talk to you about confidence. And here's why. Because many people will act confident. But usually those are the ones who are the most insecure. And we need to develop a level of confidence because it's within this insecurity that we find a couple different types of people in the world. Perhaps you work with one, perhaps you go to school with one, maybe you just know somebody, maybe you are this somebody because there's people pleasers. These are the yes people, yes boss, yes Mom and dad, yes, friend, whoever it is, anything you want. In junior high, remember these kids? These are the kids that were giving out money before class so you could buy Mountain Dew and uh, Snickers or something like that before school. Can't do that anymore. I don't, you know, school's, you know, eliminated all that stuff. It's sad, Uh, but whatever, you know, I guess it's healthy, but it is what it is. But people pleasers, yes, people. Maybe you know a, a people pleaser. Maybe perhaps you've been told that you're the people pleaser. Uh, there's also the fishers, the fishers. These are people just fishing for a compliment. So you get on Facebook, they post a picture and they say, oh, I feel so blah today. Well, what are they doing? They're fishing for a compliment. They want you to post, no, you look amazing. You're so beautiful. You don't, there's nothing wrong with you. you after a message, you know, some of you might come up to me and say, oh, that was a great message. Oh, really? What did you like about it? Fishing for compliments, something like that. Uh, there's also the one-uppers. Now, you know these people. These are the people that you, uh, they always have got to top your story. So they come up to you and, you know, like, hey, how was your weekend? You're like, man, not good. Flu's going around. The family, the family's all sick. It was not great at all. And they're like, oh, yeah, I just, I almost died this weekend. You know, had a disease. Undiscovered disease. They had to name it after me. That's, uh, you know, that's a one upper. You know, hey, how was you? Uh, I heard you were on vacation. Oh, yeah, vacation was great. Oh, I just bought an island. Uh, gonna live there the next three months or something. You know, it's just why people have to do that. I have no idea, but they feel insecure. Yeah, like I said, you might be one of those people. You might just know somebody, but the tragedy within all of these groups and probably within much of our lives, this is why I want to talk about this this, this morning, is because how often Do these insecurities in our lives keep us from going after dreams? We feel insecure and we decide not to pursue things we're passionate about. Things that might be very good that God has 
asked you to go and do, yet you feel your insecurity and it keeps you away from doing these things. We're not confident, so we decide not to go interview for the job. We're not confident, so we don't go back to school. We don't volunteer at church. We don't lead a small group. We don't ask that person out. We don't do these things. We don't try and lose that extra weight. Whatever it is in your life, our insecurities keep us on the sidelines. And friends, listen to me. It shouldn't be that way. We have much to be confident about. In fact, I came across the scripture. I think it's going to help some of you. Check it out. It'll be here on screen or there in your notes. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, forget about self-confidence. It's useless. What is it? What is it? Self-confidence is useless. What's it say? Cultivate God confidence. That's good preaching right there. Here's how I want you to write it down. We don't need self-confidence. We need to cultivate God confidence. Today, this morning, we're going to talk about confidence. I'm not asking you to help with your self-confidence. I want you to learn how to cultivate some God confidence. You've probably heard just love yourself. It starts with you. Get your feelings right. You know, you do you, and then people will accept you. And even if they don't, as long as you're secure with yourself, but that's not true. Self-confidence is useless. We need to cultivate God confidence. Listen, we're the problem. Why would you want to trust yourself even more? How often have you made a decision in full confidence only to realize that was the worst decision you possibly could have made? You don't need self-confidence. You need some God confidence. Our hearts are deceitful. Our behaviors are inconsistent. Our hearts are not trustworthy. Half the time you don't know what you really want anyway. And yet you make these decisions in full confidence, hoping that things just work out well. Even in the Bible, we see this in people. I love the Bible and how uh, you read it and people just look like complete morons. It makes you feel so secure about yourself. Uh, You think about Peter. Peter, you would think is incredibly confident. You see in the Last Supper, he says, Jesus, I'll, I'll be with you to death. Never betray you. What's he do? Hour later, three times, a junior high girl gets him to say, you know, uh, no, I don't even know that dude, right? This is the man that helped transform the world incredibly insecure. If you know the story of Moses, you know how insecure he was. He tells God, don't send me. Man, send my brother. He can talk. I can't even talk, God. God says, no, 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 no. You're my guy. Even when God brings the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, he sets them on the precipice of the, of the promised land, promised with milk and honey, and he says, this is going to be yours. I've taken you through the water. I've parted the seas for you. I've given you food from heaven. I've supplied your every need. You're going to take this land. Moses sends 12 spies out. Ten of them come back and say, hey, no way we're getting in there. There's giants in there. Only two said, no, 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 no. We can do this because of our God. They cultivated God confidence. They didn't need self-confidence because they knew who their God 
was. It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't feel insecure. We don't need self-confidence. We need God-confidence. Watch this, Psalm 57, 7. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. We sing praises in the morning because we're confident in our God. We want to worship Him. But not only do we sing praises, I love Psalm 148. The world and the universe is singing praises to God. Watch this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Now we read that and we think, oh man, that's great poetry. I love love that. It's so poetic. But what I'm passionate about as your pastor is trying to make the Bible come alive for you. That's why last week we we brought out a life-size Goliath. You read that story, you think David and Goliath, nine and a half feet tall. I wonder what that looks like. And you see it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Did you know that this is actually happening in the universe? The world is singing praises to God. I want you to take a look at this video. See, God is being worshipped because He's God. And everything He's ever created in some way, shape, or form is coming back to Him in praise tonight. He is a galactic God and the whole universe is His symphony. And that universe is praising Him tonight like nobody's business. I brought a few images for you tonight, if that's okay. I just wanted to put our minds around the idea of who it is that we're dealing with and who's asking the question in case you were struggling with that tonight. The first one they're going to put up is... uh, is a really powerful thing. It's a Hubble deep field. In fact, it's an ultra deep field if that deep field's not enough to move you. And if you're not into astronomy at all, you can just doze off right here, take some, uh, take some time out, make a phone call, text your neighbor, whatever you need to do. Um, this Hubble deep field, and it's hard for you to get up close to this from as far away as you are, uh, but this is a, is a photograph of 10,000 galaxies. So those aren't stars if you're thinking, oh, wow, I've looked up and seen stars like that. Those are not stars. Those are galaxies, each one of those little dots that you see on there. And if the resolution were high enough and and our visibility were good enough, you could see it seeming like an innumerable number of these galaxies, each one of them the size of our Milky Way galaxy or greater, all different shapes and sizes. Some of them look like a toothpick. Some of them look like, you know, uh, a piece of jewelry. Some of them look like a spiral galaxy like our own. But this particular image, this is what blows my mind. That the scripture says that God spoke and the universe came into being. Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 33 continues, he commanded and they stood forth. So God, by his voice, made a universe, and this particular image given to us by the Hubble Space Telescope, orbiting about, you know, some maybe 200 and something, 70 miles above the earth, this picture would be the the perspective of you or me looking through an eight-foot-long straw up into the sky. So that little bitty circle at the end of an eight-foot-long straw, if you look through it in the night sky, that's your 10,000 galaxies in the Hubble deep field. That is the God 
who we're worshiping and singing to tonight. And he's the one who's asking, in case anybody wanted to know, who shall we send? And who will go for us? And if you say, well, who wants to know? He wants to know. The galaxy-breathing God would like to know. I brought another image, and um, it's not in this particular 10,000 view, but it, it's in uh, Virgo, if you know your, um, your sky very well. This is the Sombrero Galaxy. It's, it's relatively new to us because Hubble has brought the universe very close to us. The Sombrero Galaxy is, is pretty staggering. It's 29 million light years away from where we are right now. So just process that for a second. You know, light years, how far light travels in one year. You knew that already. And light's fast. It's moving 186,000 miles a second. We used to think it's the fastest thing in the universe, but now we're not sure about that either because science isn't as buttoned down as everybody wants to think it is. I am not anti-science. I love science and scientists, but come on. Science isn't a sure bet because nobody has yet figured out everything God did when he spoke a word and the whole universe came into existence. But we're trying. (laughs) So light's traveling 186,000 miles a second. If you do that for a year, you travel 5.88 trillion miles. A trillion is pointless for us to even talk about. It's, it's, It's beyond our ability to really start dealing with. But that's a light year, and if you go... 29 million light years, so that's 29 million, just do the math real quick on your, on your notes, that's 29 million times uh, 5.88 trillion miles, you come to the Sombrero Galaxy, and it looks so, so innocuous, it looks like a Frisbee coming at you, and you're just going to reach out and catch it, the flying tortilla, as some people call it. It's sitting on a six-degree plane, so we get this beautiful view of it, but this thing is enormous in scope. And it contains an order of 200 to 300 billion stars. And most of you have never even seen it before. I'm like, well, what's it doing out there if I didn't know about it? (laughs) It's doing what it was made to do. It's praising God on a staggering magnitude, and you didn't even know it. Because someone as amazing, that word seems so hollow, as this God that we're here to worship tonight. I got a whole universe that's just a tiny part of the symphony that brings him praise. I I read a lot of astronomy and a lot of astronomers are perplexed, honestly perplexed. Not, you know, not making a a, a joke, but honestly perplexed. Why is the universe so big? And that's why we're spending all this money looking for other life forms in the universe and this whole exoplanet thing. And and there's just this big push right now to go, there's got to be more people in this place. Got to be more habitable planets in this thing. It's way too big if it's just a place for you and me. To which I go, I totally agree with that. If the universe was created just to house humanity, it's oversized on a a, a lot of ways. (laughs) And and, and astronomers struggle with that. They honestly struggle with that question. And it causes them to think there must be more people. But if they knew the right 
reason for the existence of the universe. They wouldn't struggle. If they knew the universe's primary function wasn't to house humanity, but its primary function was to magnify the creator, then they would know it's not too big at all. It's just about the right size. Um, let me just show you a couple more stars. This one is called the Vela Pulsar. And it's magnificent. It's a thousand light years away. It's a highly magnetized neutron star. Right. It simply means this star exploded into a supernova. And in the case of the Vela Pulsar, it collapsed back on itself in a magnetic entity. And as the pulsar, it began oscillating on its axis. This one oscillates 11 times a second on its axis. And that doesn't seem to move anybody tonight, so just encourage you to you get back to the hotel to oscillate 11 times a second on your axis, and <laughs> you will appreciate the Vela Pulsar in a different way. And as it is oscillating, you can see what's happening. It's shooting a radio frequency out of itself. And so not only do we have this amazing photograph but we're determined to hear somebody speaking to us. And so through SETI and other highly advanced um, electromagnetic telescope programs, we're listening to the universe day and night. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when I say we, I mean we as in your tax dollars are paying large sums of money to build radio telescopes that circle the earth to continually listen to see if anybody out there is speaking to us. To date, we have not heard any intelligent life speaking back to us, but we have gotten something for our money because when they aimed the radio telescopes at the Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. And this is what this guy does 24-7, day and night, 365 days a year. This is what, from a thousand light years away, the Vela Pulsar sounds like right now. This is it. Listen to this. but I, that blew me away. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. You're like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. Is that some kind of Morse code for something? Or what, what, what does all that mean? I don't know what it means, but, and I don't want to you know, go too crazy here, but maybe the Vela Pulsar got wind somehow innately of Psalm 148, verse 3, and says, it says, praise him, sun and moon, and all you shining stars. We're a shining star. We should praise him. Well, how are we going to praise him? I know. Let's oscillate 11 times a second on our axis and see if we can send a radio signal into the universe that would join in the symphony of God's praise from all creation. It's singing. The stars are singing to him. I recently stumbled on 47 Tuck. It's a, a beautiful uh, cluster of stars. We'll show you the picture of it here. It's about um, 16,700 light years away from where we are. And you can see just this brilliant, it looks like a sort of he shoved a lot of diamonds together into a pile. It's an unbelievable number of stars there. Look at these. They blow up that central place right there. There are 12 of these super giant blue stars in there. But the things that are of interest to us tonight are these millisecond pulsars. 23 millisecond pulsars are there. And we've recorded 16 of them. And right now tonight, while we're sitting in this room, the 16 recorded millisecond pulsars and 47 tuck are making this sound right now.
Martin. That's beautiful. Who knew? No, God has his own string section. He's not beautiful. And we just looked at one 11 times a second pulsar and 16 millisecond pulsars, and you start seeing Psalm 48 come to life but look down at verse 7 it says praise the Lord from the earth you great sea creatures in all deeps fire and hail snow and mist stormy wind fulfilling his word mountains and all hills fruit trees and all cedars beasts and all livestock creeping things and flying birds kings of the earth and all people so now he's bringing us in we've got the heavens we have the host we have the stars the sun the moon and now he says to the earth and he names everything on the earth in some form or fashion and then he brings in us kings of the earth verse 11 and all people princes and all rulers of the earth young men and maidens together old men and children let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. I love that he starts with you great sea creatures. We were in Hawaii a few months ago, and it was whale season there, and, and I was captivated by these giant beasts, and they, they seemed like they were putting on a show for us. They'd splash up and roll over and spout and blow and it was beautiful and as we were talking to some of the natives about the whales and asking all these questions how do they get here every year and how do they know to come to the same place to have their their young their offspring and how do they know how to journey and he said oh you know the whales one of the main ways they get around is through the whale songs that they sing and I got Psalm 148 all inside of me and I'm like no kidding I, I, I I'm sure they do and so I got to figure out what the whales sing. And so I start doing a little research and I go online to find the whale songs. And I just want to bring it to you because some of you living in Minnesota and don't even know where an ocean is. And so the, the whale songs could sound like this right here. Take a listen. That's, that's, what, that's what's happening in all creation. And I had this crazy idea, and I, I, um, I don't know if you know what a mashup is or not, but I had this crazy mashup idea. 
and I started trying to think what would it be like to be God because we so elevate our, our songs and that, this is no comment on, on what we've sung tonight. I'm a songwriter and I believe in artists and I, I believe in what we do in corporate worship through song and through music and, and one of the expressions of our worship but I don't think we have a clue because we don't know the expanse of the worship that is continually surrounding the throne of God and our songs are great but God isn't banking on our songs because he is surrounded by a symphony that's bigger than our wildest dreams tonight. Stars sing and whales sing and the birds fly. And I just tried to imagine what would it sound like if you could just for a second be God and hear what he hears. And I can't get us there tonight, but I, I came close. I had a friend who helped me with this little iPad program. And, and I'm not a DJ, but I, I just a little thing, just quickly, and I, I want you to see how this works. I, I brought this guy in. Um, he's um, not somebody that we had uh, going already, but um, I brought one guy in. He, he should, you should be hearing him by now. I don't know. Are we, are we on? Yeah, if we could get just a little more volume, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Just even a little more volume would be fantastic. Thank you. I'm kind of maxed out here. There we go. This guy, we didn't look at his picture. He's PSR BO329-54. And he's only rotating one and a half times per second, which is not all that much, but we need him in our little experiment we're going to do here, okay? Um, and then we had the Vela Pulsar. You remember the Vela Pulsar, right? So that's that guy. But that's a little too fast for what we're trying to do, so we're going to slow that down, okay? Now this is unedited. It's just pulsars slowed down and put in sync with each other. It's not a real groovy crowd, I know, but I, I know where I am, but it's kind of groovy if you hear it. And some of you want to nod a little bit, but you don't know if that's allowed at a reform meeting, and so um, you just do as the spirit leads. But isn't that cool? That's just two pulsars. And so we're going to put the, uh, the millisecond guys in there. The ones you just heard, here they come. This is what they might be singing. 
sing along with Stars and Whales? pretty cool, right? We're trying to cultivate our God confidence, and if that doesn't do it, I can't help you, but I'm going to try, okay? So I want to give you some truths about that God, about the God that spoke the universe into existence, that trillions and trillions of stars are literally singing to his name. I want to I want to talk to you about that God. I want to help you cultivate your God confidence. First of all, God is always for me. This God that we are here to worship is always for me. God's not out to get you. I think one of our natural human tendencies is we think that that as we're operating here on earth, God is just this some far off being looking down, just waiting to zap you. Waiting for you to do something wrong so he can condemn you. And that's not true. The Bible talks about God being a father. And as a parent, you don't just wait around for your kids to do something so you can give them a whooping. It's not it's not what you do. I mean, you send them away. You want them as far away from you as possible so you don't know when they do something like that, right? God's not waiting for you to mess up so that he can somehow condemn you. He loves you. He's for you. It's Romans eight thirty one. Since God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. Rhetorical question. God is for you. Now, words are important. You can see here that if God is for you, you're not living life in such a way for the approval of God. You're living from the approval of God. It's a huge difference. You're not living for God's approval. You've already got it. You're living from the approval of God. So, finals? Yes, God's for you. Anything coming up at work, God is for you. A broken relationship, bad marriage, God's for you. Wants those things to work out. You want to start a new business, God's for you. Praying for a miracle, God's for you. Doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. I already said that. You don't even know what you want half the time. God knows what's best for you. And God is for you. Here's what's next. God is always helps me. God always helps me. Hebrews 13, 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. 
will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What of you, what are you afraid of this morning? Because I know some of you have came in here with fears, and they're unfounded. God is for you. God wants to help you. Whatever you're afraid of is the calling that God has placed on your life. He's going to help you. He wants to see that come to fruition. You just need to cultivate your confidence in God. Here's number three. God is still working in me. It's in Philippians. Being confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion till the day of Jesus Christ. He's constantly working in you. And just this morning, I can talk about things were not going right back there with kids check-in. You know what my first instinct was? It wasn't to pray. It wasn't to say, God, can you just please help the electronic demons that are running rampant in this computer system right now, right? It was to think horrible, horrible things, okay? As your pastor, can I, is this a safe place? Can I say that? Uh, It was not, it was not to go immediately to God, but here's what I'm confident of God. God is still working in me. Praise God for that, because he was, if he was done with me, there'd be no reason for me to be alive right now, but God's working. Whatever is happening in your life, I promise you, God is working for you. He's helping you. If God's for you, who can be against you? The answer is nobody. Now, I'm going to talk to you because you know I'm a kind of a practical guy. What can we do? Okay, we've cultivated a confidence in God. Now, what can we do? How can Monday look different because we showed up to church on Sunday? And I want to give you four things and right out of the gates, these are not life-changing. Every one of these things you all know you should do, but for whatever reason, you've decided they're not that important. And so I just want to remind you of these things, that God wants to help you. He's for you. Here's just a couple things now that you can do to help cultivate this confidence in God. Number one, pray big, bold prayers. Pray big, bold prayers. And I'm just saying weak prayers. I'm saying pray for something in your life to change. Don't do something weak sauce prayer. You pray big, bold, audacious prayers. You all heard of BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals? I'm talking about BHAPs, big, hairy, audacious prayers. Don't come to this God that spoke the universe into motion with something weak. Pray big, bold prayers. Here's what you can do next. You can fast. You can fast. we got 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up January 8th. We're going to pray and we're going to fast and set ourselves up for success in 2017. If you don't know what that even means, that's fine. Come back January 8th. I'm going to explain it to you all and I'm going to help you get there. But if you've been a Christian for a long time, you need to be fasting, praying these prayers. Here's What's third? Get in a small group. Get people in your life that can speak life into you. Life change happens in relationships. 
You need to put people in your life that are going to help you grow. Most of our small groups aren't meeting in December because of Christmas and all of that. But we're going to launch them up again next year. And I promise you, if you get in a group, your life will change dramatically. And here's what's last. You can start a Bible reading plan. You need a plan to read your Bible. When you read the Bible, it needs to come alive for you. Don't just read the words. Don't just read it to check off a box. Read it and figure out how it can change your life. The bottom line is this. You don't need self-confidence. You need to cultivate God-confidence. What the Bible says self-confidence was? Useless. Cultivate a God-confidence. The more sure of you are in God, the more sure of yourself you will be. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for being here with us. We thank you for speaking the universe into motion. God, you're so creative. You, you made stars sing, whales sing. And they're praising you right now. And with our hearts today, Lord, we want to praise you. We want to sing worship to you because we love you. If you're here this morning and, and maybe you need to cultivate God confidence for the very first time in trusting God as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I invite you to pray this prayer with me, not because there's magic in this prayer, but rather because God said if you'll trust in Him and believe in your heart and confess your sin, you'll be saved. So just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've fallen short. But I believe in Jesus that He came to this earth, that He died for me, that He rose again. Thank You for saving me. God, I ask that you just speak life into that person. Help them grow. Help each person here cultivate this God confidence in you. The one true God and the only God of the universe. We love you, praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, in just a moment, we're going to have baptisms. And there's a story in Acts that talks about a man being saved, and he says, what's preventing me from being baptized? The answer is nothing. And, and the scripture goes on to say, there's water, so we'll baptize you. We have water. If you want to be baptized, we will baptize you. If you're ready to articulate your faith in God, because baptism is a lot like a wedding ring doesn't make me married, okay? Let's everybody know I am married. Plus, my wife really wants me to wear it, so I do, okay? Mama's happy. Everybody's happy. Baptism, same thing. This doesn't save you. This lets the world know that you are saved. So if you would like to be baptized today, you can meet me back here behind this curtain, and uh, I've got towels, and we'll help you navigate everything that happens after that. 
But otherwise, we're going to get started with our baptism service. So just hang on one second. <laughs>